good morning. Welcome to Life Church. You guys doing well this morning? You guys doing well? All right. Well, like Noel said, my name is Ryan. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and it's a privilege to be able to speak this weekend. Pastor Aaron wishes you well. He's actually will be back next weekend preaching, and so hopefully you're back for that. How many of you guys have gone on a summer vacation, like a trip somewhere? So raise, raise your hand. Okay, you've already gone somewhere. Where have you gone? Just yell out a few places. Where have you gone? Smoky Mountains, Denver. You're, ooh, wow. Everybody's jealous of that one. Uh, I, okay, I love summer vacation. You know, it's just a, I, I've realized that that's like the sweet spot once you have kids that are in school. Like, you can't just, can't just go whenever you want anymore. I mean, you can, but, you know, you, you probably shouldn't do a ton of that. And it's, there's, a, my, Amanda, she's way more like, no, they got to be in school. They, I'm more like, they're in first grade? Is it really that big of a... D- anyway, so, but, but in summer, you have that designated time that you can go on a summer vacation, on a, on a trip somewhere, and so, uh, but there's something I love more than summer vacation, and, and, and hear me out on this, but I love coming home from summer vacation, okay? Now, I love summer vacation. It's a lot of fun, but that moment where you pull up into the driveway, open the garage door, I mean, there's, in the back of your mind, you're also realizing, okay, there's a lot of laundry, there's a lot of discombobulating that's about to happen, but I love that feeling of coming home. And there's just little nuances to, to being at home that I just absolutely love. I mean, do you know that your home has a smell? It has a scent. And you usually, you, you can't pick up on what that scent is until you've been gone for a while. You ever notice that? Like day in, day out, you don't know what it smells like, but you're gone for a week and you come back, you're like, there it is. That's what our house smells. And I, our house, it's, it's about two years old, and so it still has the new house smell, which is like a combination of like drywall, paint, and wood stain, kind of a concoction of that. And I, but I absolutely love it. It's like, oh, that, there, there's our home. That's what it smells like. I had friends growing up that had homes that I didn't want to go to, because it had a funky smell, and I'm like, I just can't, I can't do it. And they'd be like, what are you talking about? I'm like, dude, your house, how much fried food do you guys eat? Like, it's just, just smells like, you know, just fish and and fried chicken, and like, I just, and it's not appetizing to me. But anyway, um, I love coming home. I, I love being at home. I'm a little bit of a homebody, I will admit, and so maybe this doesn't resonate as much with some of you, but I, I love, like on a Sunday afternoon, there's nothing quite like just being at home, relaxing, watching football in the fall, or watching golf. I know that that sounds horrific to some of you, but I enjoy watching golf, or just kind of just relaxing. And home is a place that you can just be you, you know? Not that you're duplicit and you're somebody else in public, but you know what I mean? Like, you can just be you, and you can wear your sweatpants. I mean, you can wear things that you would never wear in public, and if you've ever had a moment where you decide to go out in public wearing your home clothes, just thinking, I won't see anybody, you will see somebody. (laughs) I've seen people in this room while I'm wearing my home clothes, and it's like, oh, goodness, you know, okay, let's just move on, but um, I love being at home. I also love, you know, this is a little nuance, and I won't go deep into this because this could get a little grotesque, but I love my own bathroom, okay? Like, I love the fact that you don't have to have toilet seat covers at home. I mean, that's like, that's, anyway, let's just move on. It's, uh, you know, probably my favorite thing about being home is it's the, I'm, I'm a little bit 
introverted by nature, which doesn't mean that I don't love people. That's a misconception. Okay, I love people, but I, I need to recharge my batteries by being just kind of by myself every now and then. So uh, I, uh, I love the fact about my home that I get to control who comes into my home, okay? Like, there are laws that protect that, you know? Like, I just not anybody can just wander in. And so I know, I, you just kind of know what to expect. Okay, if, if you don't like somebody, great. Don't invite them to your home. You don't have to have them in. And I love that feature of the home, that, that you get to control who comes in, that you get to invite people over when you want to invite people over. And if that ever gets violated, it's a scary thing. If anybody ever just comes, pops in unannounced or, you know, it's like, oh, hold, hold up. I had one of these situations uh, when I was 16 years old and it is, it is, it's ingrained in my memory and I will never forget it. But I, I, I was home alone. My parents were out of town. My brother and sister were both at college and it was the first time ever that I had done an overnight at my home by myself. And it was kind of a big deal. It was, I mean, I, I was comfortable with it. I'm like, I'm 16. This is not a big deal. But it's the first time I've ever done this. And so uh, my parents were very concerned, not because if I was going to be okay and whatever, but I'm a very heavy sleeper. And I had school in the morning. And so they're like, uh, we physically have to shake him to get him up in the morning. How is this? Like, he doesn't wake up to anything. So I was like, just, why don't you guys just call in the morning? I'll, I'll probably be up, but just to make sure. And so my alarm clock's going off. <laughs> Not a chance that's waking me up. So, um, and I still have this problem to this day. But uh, Amanda loves it when the kids are crying in the middle of the night, and I literally don't hear it. And so I tell her, I, I can't control this. Anyway, just shake me. I'll, I'll go get up. And uh, so I'm not hearing the alarm clock. There's phone call after phone call after phone call. I do not hear any of the phone calls. So my parents are kind of like, they're kind of worried at this point. Like, okay, he's probably just out cold sleeping, but is he okay? And so they call a neighbor. And they, my neighbor, 45-year-old man named Don, and they say, Don, I need you to go check on Ryan. They give him the code to the garage and all that. And so... I wake up to my neighbor Don hovering over, and we don't know each other very well, <laughs> hovering over me, shaking me. I'm just going to tell you, I woke up ready to go. Like, I was like, what's this, is this how it's going to go? You know, what's going on, Don? What are you doing? You know, like, it, it was a little bit, it was a fright. Like, it, I, I, can, I can picture his face right now, because he was just as scared as I was. Like, he, he was like... I don't, right, your parents called me, and they, they said they wanted me to check, and I'm like, okay, then after about 30 seconds, and you know when you wake up, you're, you're, you don't know what's going on, you're kind of like, where am I, why is Don in here, is this a dream, <laughs> so it was, uh, Don and I, after that moment, didn't, didn't speak for about three years, I mean, we were just like, just, like, we'd awkwardly wave when we saw each other, um, that's, that's the beauty about home is that you, you, you don't have moments like that. At least you're not supposed to have moments like that. You don't have people wandering into your home. You get to control uh, who's in your home. I love being home. I, that story is a bit tangential, so I'll kind of try to bring it back. But I love being home. I love just, the, just relaxing. I mean, you guys, you guys know the feeling. There's no, you, know, you know the phrase, there's no place like home. There really isn't. And I absolutely love being home. And I, I, I think that... Um, how I'm going to tie this back into the message is the fact that just as our physical bodies need a home, just as we need a place to come back to, we weren't designed to be nomadic. 
I mean, when you read through the Old Testament, the Israelites, when they didn't have a home, I mean, there's just this restlessness, there's anxiety, I mean, they're going at it with each other. I mean, you, we weren't designed to be nomadic, we were designed to come back to a home. I mean, if you've done a lot of travel, maybe for work, you, you know, business trips, and you're going from hotel to hotel to hotel, there's nothing quite like being able to come home. Just as our physical bodies need a home, I contend, and track with me today, but I contend that our souls also need that. Our souls need a home. Our souls need a place, and this is the one question I'm going to ask today, does your soul have a home? Does your soul have a home? Does your soul have a place that it can come back to and receive protection, receive nourishment, receive rest? Does your soul have a place that it can pull into the driveway and just say, all is well, all is well? And if you answer that question, yes, my soul has a home, I'd ask you a second, a follow-up question, then when's the last time your soul was home? Has it been a while? Has it, maybe it's been a few weeks, maybe it's been a few months, maybe it's been a few years. There's a, there's a verse in the book of 3 John, if you want to turn there. 3 John is towards the end of the Bible. If you go to Revelation, just flip back a few books, actually just a couple books. It's a one-chapter book. It's a, a letter written by John, and it's a, a very, short, uh, very short book of the Bible. But he says this in verse 2. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. Would you pray with me today? God, we thank you for your encouragement. We thank you that your word truly is a light unto our path, God. It truly is a guiding direction for us. I pray that your word would encourage us today and challenge us as well. Amen. Scripture, if you read through scripture, it places a a huge emphasis on the condition of the human soul. In fact, I'd argue that the entire Bible, the entire story of the Bible, the entire story of Jesus is all related to the condition of our soul. Everything on the outside can be going really well, you know, relationships and circumstances, or it can be going really poorly. All of that does not matter when we talk about the condition of the soul. It's, it's, it's all focused on what's going on in here. And even John writes about it when he says, I, I pray that all may go well with you. All, you know, you're going to have good health. Everything on the outside, I pray that everything is just going great with you as it goes well with your soul. As if to say, If it's not going well with your soul, none of this other stuff is going to be going well. That everything is about, is it well in your soul? Is your soul well? The Bible talks a lot about the soul, about what's going on on the inside. The best definition I've found about the soul is is simply your mind, will, and emotions. It's your mind, will, and emotions. It's what's going on on the inside. What's happening in here? And in order to really answer that question, does your soul have a home, and to define what that really looks like for you, um, there's, there's some things that I think are very crucial, very important to understand about the way the soul works. Uh, the first thing, if you're taking notes, I just have three things for you today, but if you're taking notes, the first one is this, our soul is God-breathed. Our soul is God-breathed. This is by far the most important thing I'm going to say today, is for us to really understand, because everything hinges off of this, that our soul is God-breathed. It was created 
by God. Uh, the book of Genesis chapter 2 verse 7, we see where the soul was created and where it came from. It says this, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. This was the moment that the soul was created. Adam being a lifeless body, is God breathes his breath of life into his nostrils, and in that moment, he becomes a living soul. That's where his soul comes from. His soul is God's breath. That really is where the soul comes from. And, you know, the, the, the Hebrew mindset, uh, which is what this, you know, the, the entire Old Testament, the first 39 books of the Bible were written in Hebrew, which means that they were written to an audience that, that thought a particular way. And we have a very westernized mindset. And so there's sometimes, you know, we can translate scripture and we can try to put words together to try to translate it well. But there's times, there's concepts that we don't firmly grasp because we just don't, we just don't think that way. And so they had a different type of mindset. And so the Hebrew mindset would literally believe that God's breath is your soul and that your soul is God's breath. They are interchangeable. You can use the words, you know, however you want to do it. But God's breath is our soul. They would literally believe that when a baby is born, I mean, any of you who have kids who have experienced this, this moment, if you have biological children, that in the hospital, what happens? I mean, right when, I mean, it's a little bit frantic, and so the, there's nurses in there and everything's happening, but as they deliver the baby, they're all waiting in anticipation for one thing. They're waiting for the baby to take its first breath. I mean, it's, it's like a big deal, making sure that everything is, is going okay, but it's kind of like, you can even, in the room, you can sense the nurse's relief when the baby takes its first breath a little bit. I mean, it's something that they know is going to happen, but they're just waiting, and once it happens, it's like, okay, now, you know, then they do all their other things and all of that. But um, the Hebrews would believe that in that moment, when that baby takes its first breath, it is literally breathing in the breath of God and that the soul is being created in that moment. That's, that's how they believed. And so they, they would even do things called breath meditation, where they would sit in silence and simply breathe in and breathe out. They'd breathe in and breathe it out. And every time they'd breathe in, they would say, that is the breath of God coming in. That is the breath of God. And they, they, were, very, they were very aware that the breath of God is everything to us. They would, they would believe that we are all, on, whether we recognize it or not, we are all on borrowed breath from God. You know, that's a, that's a really healthy way to look at it, that every breath we take, it is literally that we are borrowing it from God, that we are not doing it on our own, that it, everything is because of him. Our soul is God-breathed. And that's, that's extremely important to understand because, for, at least for me, it was, it's, it's, it's really important to understand that our soul comes from God, that our soul is breathed in from God. That's why anybody who's living in sin that's any time that, that sin is prevalent in your life, there is this war that wages within your soul. There's a, there's a conflict that happens in there because anytime sin is basically separation from God. Anytime there's separation from God, anytime you're separated from the one who created your soul, you're, you're tormented. I mean, Samson, you, you read the story of Samson, it says that his soul was vexed because it was in conflict with God. It was, there, there was this, this tormenting that was happening within his soul. First Peter chapter 2, uh, he says it like this in verse 11. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. 
There's, there's a war that happens within any time we are apart from God because we weren't designed to be apart from God. We weren't designed to do our own thing. We were designed to be in relationship with him. We were designed for our souls to be connected to him. And you know, sometimes I think that if we could guard our souls the way we guard our physical homes, if we could guard our spiritual homes the way we guard our physical homes, life would be okay. Like we wouldn't deal with a lot of these issues. Uh, you know, I don't know about you guys, but I guard my, my physical house. I mean, I'm, if there's a noise in the middle of the night, I don't, <laughs> like I'm ready to go. Like I don't even know what I'm going to do. I, I'm, not even, I'm not a fighter. You know, like, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't even know what I would do, but I got knives, I got steak knives. I mean, I'll do something. And so don't mess with my house, you know. And, and so this week, uh, laying in bed, I'm out cold. There's no waking me up at this point. And it's about 11 o'clock at night, and Amanda sees a flashlight shine into, a beam of light shine into one of the windows of our house. And it was in one of the back windows, and there's literally, there's no streets back there at all. Like, it could not have been a car. You know, they'd be doing some serious off-roading if it was. It, it was definitely a, a flashlight or something like that or a cell phone or something. And so she wakes me up right away. And I'm telling you, within about five seconds, I go from out cold sleep to this burst of adrenaline. And I, I literally ran outside the patio because that's where, kind of where it was coming from. And I'm just ready to go. I'm yelling into the, in, into the woods and all of that like, hey, who's there? You know what? And then I, I realize I'm not nearly I don't I'm not nearly appropriately dressed to be to interact with any human being right now. And so I'm like, okay, just wearing shorts, you know, that type of thing. And so I'm like, um, you know, there there there's nobody out there. I don't see anybody. Somebody told me I didn't bring closure to that story last night, so I'll tell you, because I just kind of left it hanging. There was nobody out there, couldn't find anybody, don't really know what happened but all is well in the Coggins household. Uh, but if we could guard our, our, our souls that way, with an intensity, and saying, you know what, I'm not going to allow anything to get in there that would be, that would be harmful to those I care about, to, to, to my human soul. We would, we would begin to find where our home is. You'll never find a home for your soul apart from God. Our soul is God-breathed. And because our soul is God-breathed, that kind of leads me to the second thing. Because our soul is God-breathed, our soul must praise. Our soul must praise. Uh, it's not optional. It's not something that's like, well, you know, you could praise if you want to. Our soul is God-breathed, and so the only way that this thing is going to function properly and, and, and we are going to find our home for our soul is that we must praise. We were created to praise. And here's what I mean by that. It's kind of like the relationship between uh, plants and humans, okay? And, and it's a little bit different, but um, I used to think that people were weirdos who talk to plants, you know, like you got the people that go out and they're like talking to their plant. I'm like, what are they, that is so goofy, what are they doing? And so I guess I didn't really understand what was happening. It's not that there's an, the audible voice has any stimulation to the plant. It's like, that's not why they're doing it. They're doing it because there's this relationship that happens between plants and humans, that as we exhale carbon dioxide, that that's what plants need to survive and that plants take that and turn it into oxygen, which is what we need to survive. And there's this, this exchange that happens when we breathe in, when we breathe out, they kind of breathe in. When they breathe out oxygen, we breathe in and we need each other to, to, to exist. So it is with our praise unto God that just as he has breathed in his breath of life into us, the only appropriate thing for us to do is to breathe that back out in praise to him. 
and there's this beautiful exchange that happens in that moment. In fact, all of creation understands this. I, I think humans are the only one who, who really wrestle with this and, and this concept is that all of creation was designed to praise God. I mean, I, I literally believe as you read through scripture that rocks, that mountains, that streams, that trees, that animals, they all understand why they were created. If you read through Romans chapter 8, it talks about how all of creation is groaning in anticipation. They're waiting for everything to return to its original state like it was in the Garden of Eden to bring honor and praise unto God. If you read in Psalm chapter 148, it says this, Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you stars of light. Praise him, you heaven of heavens. Uh, you waters above the heavens, let the, them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. He also established them forever and ever. He made a decree which shall not pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great, you great sea creatures, in all the depths, fire and hail, snow and clouds, stormy wind, fulfilling his word, mountains and hills, fruitful trees and all cedars, beasts and all cattle, creeping things and flying fowl. Praise the Lord." Notice how it doesn't ever mention cats in that. But um, <laughs> I had somebody correct me on that last night, and they, they were not too happy with that comment. So um, I'll gloss over it. But um, everything in creation understands that they were created to praise the Lord. I mean, if you even look at Jesus understood that all of creation was created to praise the Lord because he came in to Jerusalem. It's called the triumphal entry. We, we celebrate it on Palm Sunday. And people are praising him. They're, they're, they're yelling out, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. If you read it in Luke chapter 19, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. They're, they're giving him honor. And the Pharisees are, are appalled by it. They're like, what do you mean? You, know, you think this is your king and your Lord? That's blasphemous that you would say that. And Jesus says to him, you don't understand. This is the Ryan paraphrase, by the way. You don't understand. They have to praise me. And if they do not, the Bible says that rocks will cry out. That rocks will literally cry out and praise me because everything was designed to give praise to the Lord. The book of Psalms, which is all filled with songs of praise, it, 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 the very last verse in, in the very last chapter of the book of Psalms, it says this, Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Let everything that has the borrowed breath of God praise the Lord. Our soul was designed to praise. Uh, you know, it's, it, it, I think some of us who have grown up in church our whole lives, um, especially if you've grown up in more of a, a charismatic type of a church, we, I don't know if we've done you a, a good service by, at least I grew up thinking that worship is slow music. And praise is fast music. I don't know if anybody else has kind of grown up with that mentality of like, praise is just like the upbeat stuff, and worship is the more chill stuff. You know, like that's, that's kind of our understanding of what praise and worship is. That really doesn't hold a whole lot of theological water. There's not, there's not a whole lot to that. Praise is, sim is, is, is far beyond just music. Music is definitely a beautiful part of it. And I think when we come in together and we corporately worship and we bring adoration to God, there is, there is power in that, of doing that corporately. But it's so much more than that. Praise is simply, how do we live our lives? How do we interact with people? How do we bring glory and honor to God, to our creator on a daily basis? How do we just go about our everyday lives? Does our life bring praise 
to our creator? Are we aware of God constantly and we're constantly, like the, like the Hebrew mindset would say, is that, man, every breath is God. Every breath is because of him. Do we live life that way? We were designed to praise him. Because our souls are God-breathed, we were designed to breathe back and to praise him. And this, this third thing today is, is a little bit different than the first two because the first two are more about this is just the way we were designed. But the third one is, is one that all throughout Scripture, um, it talks about this one maybe more than the other two combined. It talks about how we were designed to have rest for our souls, that our souls need rest. Our souls need rest. Uh, we live in a, in, in a culture that I think we battle a lot of restlessness of the soul. Um, it goes all the way back, again, like many things, they go back to the Garden of Eden and they go back to the creation story of where does this come from, this restlessness of the soul. Genesis chapter 4, verses 10 through 12, it says this, The Lord said, What have you done? Listen, he's talking uh, to Cain, who had just killed his brother Abel. Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. This, this is a, a, a curse that, that God speaks over Cain. And I believe there's a lot of people that deal with this exact thing, that they are a restless wanderer. Their souls do not have a home. Their souls are nomadic. They don't have a place to come back to, and because of that, they are restless. A restless soul constantly searches, but it never finds. You know, that's, a restless soul is interested in everything, but it's satisfied with nothing. I, I really believe that's a huge segment of our society, that we walk around with a restlessness to our soul, and, and we will never find home for our soul with that restlessness. I, I, I'll be honest with you, I, I battle this a little bit in my life, that I, there's a restlessness sometimes, sometimes in my soul that I can, I can get worked up easily. I don't know if anybody's like that, but you can kind of get, you can get wound tight every now and then, and there's a restlessness to your soul. And, and sometimes it's just little things that just creep in um, this week, uh, you know, every, every time I preach, it seems like there's something that I'm preaching about that really hits home for me. And I don't know if it's because I'm more acutely aware of, you know, what I'm preaching about and how that relates to my everyday life or that God is trying to get my attention. I think it might be a combination <laughs> of both of those things. But this week, I had something, I learned something that it caused some serious restlessness in my soul. And it wasn't a big Thing. It wasn't, you know, like a major thing in my life. It was just a little thing. And I'll just tell you what it was. Um, I, Amanda and I, our house, we have, there's a five-acre lot of land behind our house that, um, and it, there's a couple of neighbors that kind of share a boundary to that. And we've been told from day one, even though I know that, you know, anything can happen, uh, but that it's not going to, it's undeveloped land and it's, there's no plans to develop it because it's, it'd be really difficult to develop it. Well, I heard a rumor this week from literally a random person. Like, I don't even know if there's any credibility to it at all, but somebody said, I heard that somebody was going to look at it, buying that, maybe putting a couple houses back there. And I don't even know if it's true, but immediately, I'm just telling you, I, I bet you I spent five, six, seven 15, I don't know, hours this week of just restlessness in my soul. 
And I know that might sound ridiculous to you, but I was like, well, are they going to do it? Who is it? And then I'm talking to neighbors, and I'm like, did you hear this? And I'm like, you know, what do you think? And then I'm, I'm looking into records of who owns the land and what's going, like, how dare they put, you know. And, it, and in that moment, after a few days of this, to be honest with you, of it's just, it just pop into my head and be like, oh, that stinks. You know, like it would just, it would just mess with me. And after a, a few days of that, God just, as I'm preparing this message, God speaks to me and says, Ryan, first of all, do you even know if this, this to be true? I'm like, no. This is how God speaks to me, at least. I'm like, no. He's like, can you do anything about it? I could buy the land, I guess. I mean, that's, that's my only option. <laughs> no, I, I can't do anything about this. And then he's like, then why get amped up about it? Why let this restlessness, why, it, like, it, it's ruining your day. Like, you are literally just dwelling on this negativity. And he just said, just, just, I mean, this is what God says to me sometimes. He says, give it up for Lent. Okay, that, that's how he talks to me. So anyway, I'm just like, give it up. That, that's something my mom always said to us as little kids. So anyway, uh, give it up. Just stop thinking about it. And I'm just telling you that, that so often I wonder how many of those little things creep into our souls? Sometimes it's just those little things. Sometimes it's big things. That there's just a restlessness. And God did not design us to carry that type of burden. He did not design us to have a restless soul. He said the only place that you're going to find rest, the only place you're going to find rest for your souls is in me. He even talks about this in Matthew chapter 11. I, I love this, this passage of scripture. Um, it's kind of, it's one of the theme verses of my life. This is something that I need to speak into my life often because I'm like, I just need to be reminded of this. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 and 29 says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Another translation says, All you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, me, or take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart. And then this is my favorite part. And you will find rest for your souls. You will find rest for your souls. I think there's, there's many of us that just need to find rest for our souls. That just as this afternoon, many of you will go home. Maybe you'll take a nap, eat some lunch, whatever order you want to do that in. And you'll, uh, maybe you'll mow the lawn and just, you know, lay back, watch a little TV. I don't know what you have planned today. But that's, that's how my Sunday, morning, my Sunday afternoons look, is that it's just a time to rest. Man, so, so your soul needs that kind of rest. We're not designed to carry the burdens that often we carry. Psalm chapter 131, verse 2, David writes this. He says, but I have stilled and quieted my soul. Now, what I love about this verse is that it doesn't say God has stilled and quieted my soul. It says, I have stilled and quieted my soul. That's something that we have control over. That's something that we must do, is to simply still and quiet our souls. When's the last time you've done that? And really just allowed your, your soul to find home. There's a story in the New Testament. I won't go into it. We're not even going to turn there a, a whole lot. But uh, there's a story about Mary and Martha. Many of you know this story. And it's, it's a relatively well-known story. And uh, Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus and she's just taking in every word that he says. Just finding her delight in hearing him. 
And her sister Martha is, is, is busy. I mean, she's in the kitchen, she's preparing, she's, she's just kind of a busybody. And she, she's kind of mad at Mary because she's like, well, man, here I am doing all the work, you know, you know what I'm talking, are you going to do anything? You're just going to sit there and listen, you're just going to, what's up? And Jesus says, Martha, Martha, which he says it twice as to add emphasis to it, Martha, Martha, she's doing the one thing that really matters. She's doing what, I, what, what she really should be doing. She's finding rest for her soul. That's, again, a paraphrase, but that's really what he's getting at, that she's just simply finding rest in me. I think we need to be reminded of that. Does your soul have a home? When's the last time your soul was home? And today, as we close, I simply want to do this because sometimes uh, we won't take time to actually do this at least at least I'll go you know 100 miles per hour and won't just slow down and quiet still and quiet my soul I want to read a passage of scripture and as I do I just ask would you just mind bowing your heads closing your eyes and just take a moment and allow your soul to have some rest that we would just take a moment right where we are just to still and quiet our souls Psalm chapter 61 going into chapter 62 it says this hear my cry O God Listen to my prayer. From the end of the earth I call to you when my heart is faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I, for you have been my refuge, a strong tower against my enemy. Let me dwell in your tent forever. Let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings. For you, O God, have heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name so I will ever sing praises to your name as I perform my vows day after day. For God alone, O oh my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust him at all times, O oh people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Then I read again, Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 and 29. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls.